Exploring Chiropractic, Episode 39, Student Loan Forgiveness with Travis Hornsby. If you love podcasts and audiobooks, then you're going to love Blinkist. I want you to stick around after the podcast to hear about how you can read a book in less than 15 minutes by going to exploringchiropractic.com forward slash Blinkist. You are listening to Exploring Chiropractic, the only student chiropractic podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nathan Cashin. In this episode, I interview Travis Hornsby, a chartered financial analyst who founded Student Loan Planner after helping his physician fiancé navigate ridiculously complex student loan repayment decisions. He brings his background as a former bond trader trading billions of dollars to analyzing the best repayment paths for graduate degree professionals with six figures of student debt. He's helped hundreds of clients save millions of dollars on their student loans. And he recently authored an article on how chiropractors are treated horribly under student loan rules. We discussed this article and why student loan forgiveness is probably your best bet after graduating, though not necessarily depending on your circumstance. And we talk about how chiropractic school is not financially favorable, but how you can decide whether your passions outweigh the costs of a four-year graduate education. This information is super valuable, so I hope you enjoy my interview with Travis Hornsby. Tell me how you got interested in finance. Yeah, sure. So I was maybe 16 or 17 years old. My granddad uh, got all, all the subscriptions to the Wall Street Journal and Barron's and all that. And, and uh, you know, he uh, is kind of my, you know, childhood hero. And he told me that maybe I should consider buying a stock. So he uh, let me mow his lawn and paid me way more than I was worth. And so I had maybe like 300 bucks. And so he had this, heard about this dividend reinvestment program for Arch Coal stock. So I bought that stock and it doubled and I sold it and it went down 90% because of the 2008 crash. So that was my first intro to finance and I enjoyed it and granddad loved it. So that's what I had to do too, right? So I went to university to kind of focused on statistics, economics, and then I went into bond trading. So I became a bond trader for Vanguard, one of the largest investment companies out there, and traded about $10 billion in municipal bonds um, over three years. And it was a good, good experience, but kind of wanted to do something a little different, uh, traveled the world for a little while, met my fiance, now fiance, who's a physician, and she had a ton of student loans, ton of it. And uh, so I was thinking, okay, you know, Dave Ramsey advice, right? Just pay off the highest interest rate first. Right. But it was okay. way more complicated than that. So that's how I started doing student loan planner, doing student loan consulting, just basically personal life experience, just dealing with a, a partner who had a ton of debt and finding out that it was a heck of a lot more complicated than just pay down the highest interest rate first. All right. That, so I just read, well, I read a, a Blinkist version of Warren Buffett's book or a book about Warren Buffett. That's just a, a summary. Sounds like he had a very similar start. We're very young. He was reading about finance and started trading stocks. So I expect good things from you. <laughs> huh. Well, I, I don't expect nearly uh, his rate of return. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so you're, you're engaged now to a physician. So you have a good insight into what uh, that schooling and that financial picture looks like. Um, but you you also recently wrote an interesting article for chiropractors comparing a little bit the financial stu- situation for chiropractors who ha- come out of school with similar amounts of student loan debt 
but much less earning potential. What led you to write this article? Right. So first off, you know, my business student loan planner, what I do is offer consulting to people that have a lot of debt and try to save them every dollar they possibly can paying it back. So chiropractors, it's kind of uh, a um, profession that I discovered that had tons of debt by accident, right? Because nobody kind of is born knowing that chiropractors have 200, 250,000 of debt. Like, you know, I, I, I knew a chiropractor, uh, was good friends with his son growing up, and I had no idea that, you know, the education was that expensive. So what happened is I wrote this article originally uh, that got like 300,000 views that on the free student loan calculator that I gave away. And then one of the people that reached out to me was a chiropractor. And so I got introduced to the profession through that and then worked with a couple chiropractors uh, that had just been contacting me because they had a ton of debt. And I just kept seeing how abysmally high the debt was and then how challenging it was from an income perspective to actually be able to pay it back. And so I had experience with, you know, several chiropractors and just decided, you know, I need to get this, uh, I need to get this out there. I typed out, you know, chiropractic student loans or chiropractor, you know, loan forgiveness online. And I just saw no content really that was describing the profession and describing what, you know, thousands of people are going through. And so that's why I made the decision to write the article. Uh, I just felt like somebody needed to actually describe in mathematical terms what the profession is looking like from a student loan perspective, because it's really difficult. And, you know, this Trump uh, plan uh, would make it a lot more difficult. So I'm sure we'll talk about that. Yeah, I'm very curious to hear about that. So let's break it down a bit. You you mentioned that with the chiropractors you've worked with, the average debt is about $242,000. Um, I'm curious, how far out of school are they? Well, the average chiropractor that contacts me is probably two to three years out okay. um, and has practiced for a couple of years and is starting to realize, oh my goodness, this debt's so large. Like, What am I going to do with it? Uh, and so but really, the right time to contact me is right after you graduate uh, or a real recent grad is because is, just simply because we can save more money and prevent you from losing thousands of dollars sooner. Um, and, and that's typically what happens. People make the wrong repayment choice decision. They put things in forbearance or deferment, cause interest to you know go up a lot and then have it capitalized. And there's all kinds of mistakes made. So you know, financial advisors typically aren't student loan experts. So what I'm finding is that I'm saving an average chiropractor you know, tens of thousands of dollars long-term by setting them up properly uh, for all these different programs. Um, but yeah, so so 242000 average income, probably about fifty to 60000 okay. um, People yeah. that are associating, probably a little bit lower than that. Average owners, probably a little bit higher than that, maybe like 70, 75, 80000 But the, the one common theme is that chiropractors can't really get good refinancing deals because of their debt-to-income ratio. And then the math, right. the way it works out, is that it doesn't make sense to pay down your debt as a chiropractor unless you have a partner that's very high income and no debt, and then your total debt divided by your income is less than two. And so for most chiropractors, that's that's not the case, even with their partners. Uh, but you know, for somebody that's you know like married to another professional who doesn't have debt, you know, maybe the math, the way it works out there, is just go ahead and pay down the debt. But for most chiropractors, I would say 90% going for the student loan forgiveness programs and making a very specific plan on how to tackle that is the right way to go. And you mentioned here uh, that paying uh, the kind of the standard of five to $10,000 a year just doesn't even make a debt. And so I just want to clarify here. So average from my colleagues coming out of school is about right around 200. I'm just over that because I also did a master's. But like you said, the ones you're working with are already two to three years out. Just in those two to three years, you're compounding 
probably tens of thousands of dollars in interest. And so by paying five to $10,000, you're not really touching the principal. Is yeah. that right? Does that math? Exactly. So there's two ways to tackle student loans. And people, most people don't know this. There's the extremely aggressive way where you're paying every dollar you possibly can towards your debt. And you're living in rice and beans and you are living in a you know, tiny house and driving a you know, $4,000 car you paid cash for. <clears throat> That's one way to deal with loans. The other way to deal with loans is to optimize everything on the government income-driven repayment programs and then go for loan forgiveness. And it's really counterintuitive. It flies in the face of everything that Dave Ramsey or Susie Orman ever tells you because what your goal is is to minimize payments as much as possible. So you want to pay basically almost nothing, as little as you possibly can, and then at the same time, you want to put money away in a side account because what you're going to do is when you get that loans forgiven in 20 to 25 years, you're going to owe a huge tax penalty. So you're going to owe probably you're going to have a balance of maybe 400, 500,000, and then you're going to have to pay income taxes on that all at once. So it's going to be 40% probably of, of that on income taxes. So you're going to owe 200 grand all at once. So the only way to prepare for that is to be putting away maybe $500 a month and a side account to cover the tax penalty. Now, I know that sounds terrible, right? But here's what the reality is. It's actually a lot more attractive than you think because if you do something like pay or repay, what you can do is pay 10% of your income. So maybe that's, like you said, $5,000 a year, right? And if you do that for 20 years, let's say pay as you earn for somebody who's got 250 grand in debt, you pay 5000 a year, uh, roughly, and just for simple math purposes, obviously the payments will go up as your income goes up. But just for simple math purposes, just say it was the same. So that would be $100,000 that you'd pay towards the debt. And we'll say that because of interest growth, it's at maybe 500000 and then you have to owe two hundred grand all at once, right? Well, let's think about a sec- that for a second. The total cost of the loans is the 100000 that you paid plus the 200 k tax penalty, and that's three hundred grand. But let me ask a question. Is $200,000 more valuable today or is it more valuable in 20 years? It's more valuable today by a lot, mm-hmm. right? So what you do is if you, if you adjust that two hundred grand for inflation, the tax penalty, and you look at what that's actually worth, if you adjust for any kind of like 3% inflation, the real value of that is maybe less than half, right? Okay. So maybe that two hundred k that you owe in taxes is actually maybe half of that in real dollar terms today. So while you might owe 250k, the actual cost of your repayment might be 200,000 in today's terms, right? So that's the benefit of doing one of these loan forgiveness programs and optimizing your financial life for that because then the net payment required out of you might be, you know, $500 a month uh, to the government on pay plus 500 a month in a side account that you're building up to pay the tax penalty. And then the total cost of your loans is thousand a month, and that's a heck of a lot better than a standard payment when your payment would be three thousand a month, right? You know, and so and there's there's a lot of ways you can you can um, maximize that and do all kinds of little tricks that I've learned how to do uh, in advising hundreds of clients on how you can even make that balance look even more attractive. So you know, obviously, student loan forgiveness isn't like the ideal path. But if it is the path that your math uh, with debt to income ratio, if that's the path that it shows, then you got to do that, and you just got to make the best of it with uh, with the student loan forgiveness programs that exist. And uh, and one thing that we'll probably discuss is I think all this is going to change for the class entering in uh, July first, twenty eighteen. So everybody that enters chiropractic school past that point 
we'll be dealing with a whole different loan set of rules. And so we can discuss that too. So I want to I want to stay on the student loan forgiveness and just talk about what risks there may be. So I about two months ago there was a New York Times article that claimed that student loan forgiveness program approval letters may be invalid. In in other words, those who took out loans and started on the repayment plans for student loan forgiveness and got that letter saying in 20, 25 years, your loans will be forgiven. Those letters might just not even hold up. Um, mm-hmm. There are some other concerns as well simple, with the the Trump plan potentially changing, and we can talk more about that. Um, but what are the risks of banking on the government forgiving your debt? Yeah, so so here's here's kind of the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario would be uh, that you get kicked off of something like pay or repay and stuffed onto the Trump plan. So I do expect that the government is going to be offering loan forgiveness on these giant balances in 20 to 25 years. And if you get kicked off of the pay as you earn repay plans because of Trump, then 30 years, right? So I do expect that at the end of that period, you're going to have some type of forgiveness benefit. Worst case scenario, it's going to be the tax payment. You're going to have that full, you know, 500 grand that's going to show up on your W-2 and they're going to say that, you know, uh, you know, Nathan, the chiropractor owes, uh, you know, uh, has $500,000 bonus in 2040 or something like that. Uh, and then you're going to have to write a check to the IRS for 200 grand. That's the main risk. And the, and the other risk, like I said, is that that uh, plan would change and become a less attractive plan with the Trump plan. Uh, and then that's the way the math works. So the risk of it would be that you get kicked off under the Trump plan. The, um, the, now, there's a positive risk too, though. There's an upside risk. And the upside risk is what I, I like to joke and call the Bernie risk. So uh, what, what would happen would be like say that some, some uh, you know, 20 years from now, you have all these people across the country that are defaulting on these massive six-figure uh, you know, tax payments for their student loans, right? I expect that to happen. Very, very few people will plan ahead and have a hundred grand plus saved up to cut a check to the IRS or the full amount they're going to owe. So you can have all these people defaulting on the tax payments all around the country, probably millions. And uh, what's going to happen is this is going to be a huge political issue. So they're going to contact their congressmen, they're going to contact all their legislators, they're going to say, "Hey, help me." And the choice is the government can either get into the business of repossessing people's homes, right, or they can get into the business of maybe passing some sort of bailout bill. And so uh, if they did that, then potentially what you could see is that, you know, student loan forgiveness could become a tax-free benefit. And if that happened, then all of the balance would be given at the end of that period. And, and here's how I prepare clients. I don't want people to, uh, I don't want, you know, I, I want people to prepare like that's not going to happen, right? I don't want anybody saying, oh, it's just going to be written off. I'm not going to go any taxes. It's just going to be so easy. I don't want any of that to happen to anybody. So that's why I, I tell people, you know what, you have to put away money in the side account. You got to put away money to be able to cover that tax bill if you're going to owe it. And then best case scenario, they do some sort of tax-free loan forgiveness, and then that money is yours to keep. So that's how I prepare people to handle the risk of student loan forgiveness. There is a concern that, I mean, the government <laughs> is in so much debt already that mm-hmm. there just may not be the coffers sufficient to forgive this debt. Is there any risk that mm-hmm. that student loan forgiveness could just fall apart? Uh, that would be the same risk that Social Security and Medicare would fall apart, right? So I think that, you know, frankly, if we're talking about that, 
that's a macro event in the entire economy where the whole country is going to the, down the tubes. And that's not something that I would worry about, like specific to somebody that has student loans. I mean, frankly, if that's the problem, then, you know, you probably should look somewhere where that chiropractic education is valuable in the world and move there, you know, because what would happen is we'd have hyperinflation, the government, you know, the economy would be tanking, the value of the dollar would be collapsing. It'd be a real kind of cataclysmic thing if the government did not have any kind of money to cover the student loan forgiveness benefit. Uh, I don't see, like I said, I don't see that forgiveness benefit getting any worse in terms of the worst case scenario is that you'd owe taxes on the forgiven balance. I mean, that's the that's the downside. The only the only um, you know downside beyond that would be, like I said, they would increase the percentage of your income that goes to student loans uh, through a rehaul of the plans, like Trump's proposing. And if they made it like a longer period of time until you get forgiveness, so that you'd have to make those payments for more years and have it in your life for longer. So, like that would be. You know that would be the the real risk going on. So I wouldn't I wouldn't really worry about you know any kind of specific government uh, you know changing their minds and not giving forgiveness at all. So let's talk about Trump's plan because there's been some some news uh, that he may repeal the pay, the repay, the income based repayment. Um, but it seems now that more information is coming out that it's not going to be just completely wiping those away, but coming out with a different plan. Yeah, so I've written a lot about this on uh, studentloanplanner.com, uh, and, and you know, definitely people if, or that could be affected should check that out. But uh, here's the here's the gist. I mean, so Trump is talking about um, doing new pl- new plan, a new plan called the Trump Plan, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, and it's going to be uh, you know twelve and a half percent of your income instead of ten, uh, and it's going to be thirty years for forgiveness for grad school loans and fifteen years for undergrad loans. So this is a huge split. So repay right now is 20 years for undergrad and 25 years for grad. So a little bit, a little bit of a differentiation between undergrad and grad school loans. Trump's plan takes that to a whole new level. So that's he's basically saying, you know, let's help out the undergrads more and just basically, you know, screw the grad students. I mean, that's basically what the plan is. And uh, and I've run some simulations on this actually. So my my um, student loan calculator that any of your listeners could get for free by visiting my site actually. Uh, I've done all this analysis, and uh, here's the effect of it. Any typical chiropractor graduating with more than 200000 in debt, and this is really important, so you should really listen to this, that's entering chiropractic school in the fall of 2018 and beyond can expect to pay 60% more long-term for their education because of the new Trump plan. That's the impact. So the 12.5% is, is, uh, is higher, so that requires more payments over time. And then the loan forgiveness that happens is in 30 years instead of 20 so that interest has a lot more time to build and build and build. And then so the tax bill you're going to get is a lot bigger too. So if you add all that together, the total numbers, 60% higher cost of grad school to become a chiropractor. It's already really challenging for the degree to today. For anybody that's considering going to chiropractic school in July 2018 and beyond, it's, become, it's becoming extremely challenging to make the chiropractic degree worth it economically. So I've got your student loan planner uh, or your student loan calculator that mm-hmm. I downloaded from the website. And it's it's really nice to get this big picture. Um, so I've entered in my total suit loan balance, which is, again, just over 200000 uh, mm-hmm. Average interest rate is around seven because I started back in undergrad. Um, and then my expected income, which I won't share on the air because it's mainly my, my wife right now. Um, but it's really nice to be able to look at this. And so I see uh, the total payments until pay off for forgiveness, right? So this is yep. anticipating that whether I stick with income-based 
repayment or if I get on the new Trump plan that I'm going to the end of that plan until I get forgiveness. Correct. And uh, does this include that tax that I'm going to pay at the very end? It, it does. So you know, this is where it depends on your spouse. So if your spouse makes a really high income, uh, what will happen is your income will be lumped in with theirs and then Got it. And your, your, your debt is lumped in with theirs. And so what the calculator will show you is if it's if it says zero for the total you know tax bill, uh, what that means is that you effectively just pay off the whole debt before you get any kind of forgiveness benefit at all. So if my and income if, is more than probably more than the standard based or standard repayment, then I'm going to pay it off before the forgiveness precisely. period. Okay, right? Because you're either going to your your payments are either going to get capped at the ten year standard plan, and then you're just going to pay it off in ten years. Uh, or they're going to go even higher than that if you're on repay. So, uh, yeah. So, so basically, um, you know, that's that's you know, some chiropractors deal with that. If you're really successful business owners, or uh, uh, you know, somebody who maybe married somebody with no debt, and and uh, and so their debt to income ratio is a little bit better. Uh, occasionally, that happens. Um, you know, and and if that happens, let me tell you what you should do. Uh, you need to refinance your loans because what's going to happen is you're just paying the government six, seven percent, uh, you know, for free because you're just paying a really high interest rate uh, for no reason. So if if you know you are showing up uh, as paying off your loans in full, you need to check with all those uh, refinancing bonuses uh, that I've negotiated and, and try to get a lower interest cost. So you know you can check with those kind of places and and maybe cut that six or seven percent down to like four or five, uh, and then you're going to pay off your debt even sooner and save tens of thousands in interest. Um, so that's the other repayment path for people. So I'm trying to put in here some uh, other hypotheticals, uh, and I may not be doing it right because I'm seeing a total payoff of only 157 for the hypothetical Trump plan, assuming that that I make kind of the average 60,000 that many associates are earning. And depending mm-hmm. on the area, that's pretty decent. Other areas that may not be enough. Um, so I just just kind of want to reiterate so loan pay uh loan forgiveness may not be the best solution for everybody right especially if they have a higher income but for those who have the very fairly average income uh which would not allow them to pay the full standard repayment then going towards loan forgiveness is probably the best option Right. And, and exactly. And so that's, that's basically what, what I study for people. So if somebody's got a, the six figures in debt, reach out to me, Travis at studentloanplanner.com. Uh, and I can kind of tell you more on how I can study this for you. Uh, but, but basically, you know, what you're doing is you're taking a look at pay and repay is really the secret. I mean, you're looking at pay and repay. Pay is usually better for somebody who is definitely going for forgiveness for sure, because it's faster, happens faster. So the loan cost is a little bit lower. If you're kind of unsure if you're going to go for loan forgiveness, revised pay jour and repay tends to be a little better because they have interest subsidies. So the government pays part of your interest, so the tax penalty that you eventually owe is lower because the balance that's forgiven is lower. So that's the analysis that you do, and then you compare that to private refinancing. And if you know if any of your uh, you know listeners wanted me to take a look at that, uh, you know the cost is just two hundred bucks for an individual and three hundred for a couple to do that. So real straightforward fee to try to pr- produce a complete holistic student loan plan that'll save you thousands of dollars. But um, for somebody that's, you know, already in school, maybe let's talk about that just for a second. So if you're, you know, if you're uh, uh, maybe a third year getting ready to go into your senior year graduation soon, 
Uh, my understanding, and this is you know this is developing with the Trump plan, so we're not going to know probably for maybe a couple more weeks exactly what it means. But what it sounds like is anybody that's in school now is going to have access to loans that will give you the pay and repay options. So that's the way I read his proposal is even if you're like a second year, you don't get cut off from pay and repay uh, for the rest of the you know couple years that you're in school simply because uh, it's going to be borrowing beyond July 2018. I could be wrong on that because the proposal is not very detailed yet. Um, so, but that's, that's what it looks like. So, so basically, you know, chiropractic school can certainly be a very manageable thing long-term if your passion is chiropractic, uh, you know, chiropractic, um, you know, care, uh, for anybody that's going into school this fall and before. Uh, but again, you know, the, the real concern I have is, you know, people really hurting their finances under the Trump plan. That's going to make graduating from a chiropractic program just far more difficult financially. It almost makes you wonder if, if it makes financial sense to go into chiropractic, um, because by the numbers, it sounds like what you're what you're telling me is that, uh, especially without loan forgiveness, I mean you're you're just not going to make enough to pay back those loans, right? Yeah. Um, what should people consider if they haven't chosen chiropractic? How mm-hmm. can they look at that? Uh, look at the financial situation and balance that with what their their dreams are, what their passion is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I actually had this conversation with somebody that was taking a look at a, a program uh, yesterday, and, and he really wants to be a chiropractor, first generation in his family to go to college, uh, really thinks that this would be a great field for him, uh, and just having a conversation. And and, uh, and here's the kind of the way I would look at it. I mean, if there's anything out there in your life that could make you happy besides being a chiropractor, uh, do that. Because being a chiropractor is is not a great financial investment, uh, basically no matter what. Because if you're going to be really successful as a business owner, you're going to have a great business, and you're going to be seeing all these patients and things like that. You know, If you're going to be that successful as a business owner, you could have been successful as, as a business owner in something else, you know, too. Uh, and so the, the, the issue is, you know, are you so passionate about being a chiropractor that that's literally the only thing that you could possibly see yourself doing? Okay, if that's the case, then uh, then that's the test. That's the test as for whether or not you should go to chiropractic school. But if you know you could be potentially do nursing or do you know PA school or maybe be you know uh, something something else, maybe even just working for corporate America or uh, having your own small business and maybe managing a you know a different groups of people or trying to be an accountant or any anything besides you know, that, that could result in maybe like a $50,000 income, right? Because there's a whole bunch of jobs out there that'll get you a $50,000 income without $250,000 in debt. And that's the real problem with chiropract- the chiropractic profession. And, you know, chiropractic schools, a lot of them are for profits. A lot of them are private schools. They don't really get any kind of subsidies from the legislature. Um, so they are, you know, lending, they're borrowing, uh, getting you to borrow from the federal loan programs that right now have no cap on what you can borrow, so naturally, if you're a school and you're looking as an administrator at uh, how to make your rankings better and improve the education and do all those things, uh, you're looking at that blank check from the government and saying, let's write the biggest number we can on that, right? Because that's how we give faculty raises. That's how we hire people away from other schools. That's how we improve our reputation and improve our marketing to get more students to come. So I think that, you know, for a lot of chiropractic schools, I think that, you know, it's going to be real challenging. I think I think we're going to see some closures of some schools this Trump plan goes through because I think that people will start realizing, hey, maybe maybe being a chiropractor isn't a good financial decision. Um, you know, and and here's the thing: if you've already made the decision, if you're already two years in, uh, you know, three years into school, I mean, 
you know, don't worry about it. I mean, you can't cry over spilled milk, is like, like my granddad used to always say, right? So just you got to make the most of your education. Try to be a practice owner instead of a, uh, you know, an associate. Um, find a good place for chiropractic medicine. Don't don't be going to you know some place that's got you know uh, dozens and dozens of chiropractors and only like you know small group of people, right? Um, <laughs> so you know it's just uh, you know that's and, and and if you're the primary breadwinner of your family too, I mean that's what you got to do. You know you just got to try to make the best of it and try to manage these loans with the best strategy possible. Save thousands of dollars doing that, um, and and make the make the best of the education, make the best ROI you can. But you know, for anybody who hasn't signed with the dotted line yet, got to have a hard conversation. Got to talk to people. Call some chiropractors in the school. Maybe you know, try to find some people on Facebook or you know, LinkedIn that have graduated from there, and send them a message. Say, hey, would you do this again? You know, or what recommendations would you have have for me as a uh, you know, as a student potentially looking at chiropractic, uh, med- you know, being a chiropractor? What would you say? Uh, I think that'd be tremendous, uh, a tremendous decision for people to do. Looking back, I think analyzing the financial situation was the one thing I probably didn't do, uh, didn't spend enough time on. Because you do hear, you know, oh, the chiropractor, the average salary is $100,000, which might be true, but what you want to look at is what the schools are telling you. Are they telling you median? Are they telling you mean? Are they telling you uh, all these different things? And don't allow the the easiness, the simplicity of getting those student loans, maxing out the student loans to be able to pay for, say, uh, additional continuing education seminars while you're in school, yeah. don't let them blind you to what that's going to cost you in the long run. Um, and so yeah. there are a lot, of, um, a lot of things that we could talk about here on how to be more frugal while you're in school. How can you save money? How can you minimize the debt that you do take out? Um, but also prepare for the future because if you do want to be a practice owner, the banks are going to want to see some capital in your pocket yeah. to be able to give you a business loan. And so that's a whole other discussion that we can Yeah, and have. let's be frank Let's be frank real quick about that average. I mean, the, when they tell you the average income is 100000 they could also just flat out be lying, um, you know, or, 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 using, or using statistics from five years ago. Uh, you know that are that are biased, and and to to be to be honest, uh, you know the the average that I think that's actually the real average for all chiropractors everywhere is probably around sixty thousand. You know, and and maybe maybe there are uh, maybe maybe the top five percent of chiropractors make over a hundred grand. Uh, but when you're planning on you know what de- career decision to make, you can't go into the career thinking that hundred percent you're going to be earning more than the top five percent. Right. That I mean, distribution is probably not dissimilar to the the global wealth where less than one percent right. of the population, these handful of a hundred billionaires, have ninety percent of the yeah. world's wealth. Um and, and, and thinking about some of those like property uh seminars where you you know, you go to the uh the free property seminar and they're gonna teach you how to flip houses and you're gonna make thousands of dollars from home. I mean I actually see a lot of parallels to that in, in schools that are selling chiropractic education in some cases because you know they're you're kind of using misleading statistics and basically uh, you know showing average income numbers which which might be true but they might be true for one out of every hundred people that go through it right so you know it's it's just real important to have realistic expectations like you're not going to make a hundred thousand you're going to make like fifty as an associate to start some of the people that I've talked to make like thirty or forty. That's you know, that's and, more of the norm around where I'm at right now in Portland. Um, yeah. Most people coming out of school, they're getting twenty five hundred a month. 
as an associate right. and yeah um, and if I, you own your own practice you'll, you'll make 70 i mean you make 75 which which is fine uh and and like i said if that was your dream uh and then you have this massive student loan thing you got to go for student loan forgiveness and try to maximize those benefits uh and then just don't worry about it i mean try to put money away for retirement try to do all the th- those things saving for the tax penalty you can still make it a, you know you can still make chiropractic education and having 100 200 grand in loans something that financially you can easily recover from you can do that i mean you can co- you can eventually be a millionaire one day with all of the right decisions uh it's just very it's very difficult i do want to recommend also that students look at the schools and look at where that money goes uh as you said most of the chiropractic colleges are nonprofits and you can find the financial information for that and take a look because recently i discovered that some of these schools are paying their presidents over a million dollars oh yeah uh, where they're not putting that money into the program and into the benefit of the students uh the other thing i want to mention is just to reiterate as you said to consider is there something else that you can be passionate about that you can uh feel fulfilled other than chiropractic but potentially have a better financial situation. And the guys over at 80,000hours.org, uh, this is William McGaskill and Benjamin Todd, have made this kind of their mission uh, of this organization to encourage people to spend time researching their careers. And their, the, the number 80,000 hours comes from the average amount of time you will spend in your career mm-hmm. if you're working you know, 40 to 50 hours a week for... 50 years, and to spend just 10% of that time researching careers and determining what it is that you would be best at and what you would feel most fulfilled in, but also make the greatest impact in your life. And for some people, that certainly is chiropractic. And in looking back, I was working in education technology and sitting at a computer all day, and I was loving it. I was having a lot of fun, but I simply didn't feel fulfilled. And that's yeah. why I eventually decided to go into chiropractic. Uh, but again, I did not take into consideration how much debt and the limited earning capacity that I might have uh, at the end of that time. So I do highly recommend to the listeners to check out studentloanplanner.com, download the loan calculator as I have, and plug in your numbers. Take a look, make, make some guesstimates as well, because you're not going to know exactly how much you'll be making. Um, but look around and look at the averages that people are making in your area. Um, include your spouse if you have one. And take a look at the different repayment programs. And get in touch with Travis if you so desire. What I do appreciate, Travis, is that it is a flat fee. So you're not uh, taking a percentage, <laughs> which which could be much more... Uh... I'd be a very rich man if I chose a percentage of... I've, I've advised 78 million and counting. So shoot, if I can only get 1% of that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be awesome. But that, to me, that is one thing I look for is, um, whether it's investing or even purchasing home as we're looking to do pretty soon, you know, a lot of these agents take a percentage of the total amount. And so their, uh, their best interest is not in getting you to pay less. Their best yeah, interest they want is you to actually buy as much house as you can afford. <laughs> exactly, um, yeah. and so I appreciate that. That it is just a flat fee, and so if you're in school now, start making plans to do that, um, and keep this at the front of mind. There's a lot of things that students are worried about, 
yeah. boards just happened about two weeks ago when this episode comes out, two or three weeks ago. It, it, and then nothing else matters when you are studying for your board exams. I sure. mean, that the stress there is unbelievable. But during the two weeks break or three weeks break that you have, take some time to to crutch some numbers. Any f- last words of wisdom? Any things that, y- yeah. that you want to share? Yeah, just just uh, you know, reach out Travis at studentloanplanner.com if you've got questions or thoughts. I mean, I like hearing from people. Um, and uh, and just try to make a plan. I mean, the the way you're going to cost yourself thousands of dollars is by avoiding this. And, and so it's very stressful. People think oh, I can put it off, or it's something I really don't want to think about. Like. I, I, you know, it's just people, I've heard people say like the stress of opening my loan statements is just so great. I just don't even want to do it. And I don't, you know, that's a very common feeling. So if that's you, uh, tackle this head on. I mean, seriously, you'll, you'll save yourself maybe even hundreds of thousands of dollars by getting a good plan in place right away. So don't put it off, tackle it head on, remove student loan stress as part of your life. Student loan planner can help you do that. Uh, and listening to, you know, shows like this one, uh, you know, will, will definitely help you as well. So just make, you know, invest time into, you know, your career and, and, uh, and redo your research and you're going to be okay. Thanks a lot for being on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Exploring Chiropractic. If you've enjoyed these episodes, please consider contributing on Patreon. You can pledge a dollar amount of your choosing per episode and set a maximum monthly contribution and receive special patron rewards like behind-the-scenes looks, sneak peeks of upcoming episodes, and a chance to ask your own questions on the podcast. Head to patreon.com slash Cairo. If you love audiobooks and podcasts, I really think you're going to love Blinkist. If you're trying to listen to audiobooks but just can't find the time, Blinkist allows you to listen to great works of nonfiction. It distills them into powerful made-for-mobile units called Blinks. These are two-minute chunks of a book that gives you the key ideas, and you can get through books in less than 15 minutes. Now, I know what you might be saying, but you can't really get the full effect of a great audiobook just by listening to it in 15 minutes, and I get that. I use audiobooks all the time. I listen to podcasts, but... Blinkist is now my tool for triaging what my next book is going to be. So I list, I pick a book that I've been wanting to uh, read for a while. I listen to the Blinks. If I really like it, if I want to dive deeper, then I go get the audiobook. But by listening to these Blinks, I can save time. And I can get the key ideas quicker and implement them faster. You can sync it with your Evernote account so your notes are saved. Uh, and you can even send it to your Kindle. So check out Blinkist. I've really been enjoying it. I get thousands and thousands of the best-selling audiobooks by going to exploringchiropractic.com forward slash Blinkist.